Have you been uh, um, astounded, like me, to um, hear the words of Jesus? And with all the spectacular things he did, I mean, healing the sick, um, raising the dead, um, just phenomenal, casting out uh, forces of evil in people's bodies. And then to hear him say, this is nothing. You, you are going to do greater things than this. Do you, what, do you, what do you do when you hear words like that? You find yourself just going, he must have been talking about somebody else. Um, I'm, I haven't raised anybody from the dead recently. I have trouble getting my own family up in the morning, right? Um, and, and, and God says, oh, if you only knew. And we want to explore that subject today and to ask ourselves that question. God, how do you do these things? How, Jesus, did you strategize when you were on earth to accomplish the very things that you promised that you said would happen? And to do that, we're going we're gonna to turn um, to the Gospel of Luke. And, and to, we're going to actually kind of jump between two commissionings that Jesus did. First, in Luke chapter 9, verse 1, to um, the commissioning of the twelve, his disciples who followed him. And then, and then secondly, in uh, Luke 10, he records when he did the same thing, now not to the twelve, but to seventy-two of his followers. And so I invite you to turn. If you don't have your Bible with you, I invite you, there might be a, a maroon pew Bible somewhere nearby, and I invite you to turn uh, to page 866 in that maroon pew Bible, and that would be Luke 9, chapter 1. Again, I apologize for cutting this first verse short, but I think you'll find that he said basically the same thing to his 12 that he said later to the 72. And I find a lot of comfort in that. I'm not Peter, or James, or John. Um, but but uh, Jesus' words to the rest of us are the same, I believe, as they were to them. So hear the very word of God, would you? First, from Luke chapter 9, beginning verse 1. And he, Jesus, called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal and to heal. And then just flip over a page, if you would, to Luke chapter 10, when again the Lord sets apart people for the ministry of his gospel, this time 72 others, and, and gives them similar instructions. Uh, Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. After this, uh, the Lord appointed 72 others now, almost indicating that in addition to the 12, and sent them, look at this, on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Hey, can I get you to go get a cup of water for me? Appreciate that, brother. Go your way, he said, and behold, looky here, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, 
peace be to this house. Thinking of you, Vasily, over there. Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if it's not, you'll feel, he's saying, that peace will return to you. Isn't that weird? Doesn't that sound like, whoo, doo 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 doo? He's saying, peace is this tangible thing that, that if you send it out, it will return to you, right? Jesus would say again, cast your bread upon the waters after many days. Thank you so much, brother. It will return to you. So, so he's telling us how to do this. If, if, if your peace does not rest upon him, it will return to you. But if it does remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what's set before you. That's easy in Evansville, Indiana, isn't it? Not so easy in Amman, other places. Heal the sick, he says, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. And nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you the truth. It will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. And he goes on to speak about three of the towns where he did some of his greatest miracles. Their cluster of towns right there on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. Woe to you, Chorazin. Little town of Chorazin. Basalt, black basalt town. Woe to you, Bethsaida, the fishing village down by the water. If, if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago. And in a non-Jewish setting, non-Jewish town, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in, uh, for, in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And, and, and you, Capernaum, Jesus' hometown, his, his ministry home center, and you, Capernaum, will you be exalted in the heavens? No, you'll be brought down to, to Hades. The one who hears you, disciples, hears me. And the one who rejects you, rejects me. And the one who rejects me, rejects him who sent me, the Heavenly Father. And I know this is a long passage, but I want you so much to see this end of the story. In verse 17, the 72 returned with joy. They went out on their short-term mission. And, and they came back with, with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said, you know what? I, I saw Satan falling from heaven like lightning. So, so Jesus confirms, yes, you, you took my commission, you put it into practice, and I got a front row seat on this whole thing. And he says, behold, and beloved, I believe he says that to us today. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents, on scorpions, over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nothing shall hurt you. Don't be afraid, beloved. Christ's power and authority are going before you. Nevertheless, he said, don't, I think you said in the Sunday school remark, don't put another spiritual notch in your belt. 
when you see these happening. You know, this is, this is not the essence of it. Don't rejoice that spirits are subject to you. He said, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Oh, God, take your word, would you, and allow it to take root in our hearts. And we'll give you the praise and the glory. Amen. This is the very word of God. Mm, thanks be to God. Um, I want to. Uh, we've been talking together about um, what what does it mean to be a follower of Christ, and and we've been exploring honestly the last three weeks. We've been exploring all of that's mission statement. We believe that our mission, as might be up there, yep, yeah, is more like Jesus. It is, uh, as we've said, a double entendre. It means it's our mission for ourselves. We want to be more like Jesus. Remember, I mean, how many people that you encounter, Mark, they don't have a problem with Jesus at all, right? In fact, Jesus is one of the Muslims' prophets. Uh, um, they have his word. Uh, the Angel, the, the New Testament, they have. They don't have a problem with Jesus. They have a problem with with either the church or with Christians. And, and we want to be more like Jesus. We want to break those stereotypes. Mark was very kind in our Sunday school hour. He didn't tell us some of the stereotypes that they have of us, but many of them are not pretty. We think our stereotypes of them are not pretty. They have the same of us. Well, I, can't, I cannot resist. I apologize. If your understanding of Christianity was based on what you saw on American TV, enough said, Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So, so we want to help people become more like Jesus. I thought I smelled something burning, so I was just checking real quick. Um, and, and, but it's a double entendre as well because Christ revealed himself to us. He has blessed us with the knowledge of him. We're grateful for that. But now he wants to use us to help more become like Jesus as well. So is both the process by which we have entered of becoming more and more like Jesus from glory to glory until we appear before him face to face and are like him. But it's also about helping other people. is proclaiming the word of faith by which people might come to know him. And so we, uh, two weeks ago, we were talking just about, well, actually for the first two weeks, we talked about this amazing invitation of the living God to have intimate relationship with him. And I know we stumbled a little bit over that word, but that's what worship is, right? It's intimacy with God. God loved us so much that he became one of us to walk along among us so that we might know him. And to have intimate relationship. And as you heard just a few moments ago from Mark, and we heard all weekend, you know, people can't learn if they're not in relationship with someone. But when you open the door of that relationship, God then uses your life as a living testament of the grace of Jesus Christ. Let me put this differently. Your life is going to say something about Jesus. What is it going to say? What is it going to say? And so the first and foremost is to, is to just ground ourselves that God created the opportunity for us to be in intimate relationship with him. And I, I hesitate to use words like worship because then you start thinking about times and places rather than about the relationship, an interactive relationship with the living God. He invites us to that. And then, and then we saw last week, especially too, that, that God loves us so much that he, 
puts us in intentional communities, our families, our spiritual families, these places where, where we can uh, grow more and more like Christ, where others will help us become more and more like Christ. Well, I'd like to take you to the third point, the fir- third application of our mission as, as, as a church of Jesus Christ. Uh, and we say it uniquely um, in all of that's way, but it's not unique mission from any other church, any other follower of Christ. And that is this idea of, of impacting the world. Again, if it was just about um, having intimacy with God, when we entered into that relationship with Jesus, then he would have said, great, now we're in right relationships. Come, be with me, and, and let's spend eternity together, right? But he didn't do that. He didn't do that. No, he left us here because he knows the greatest testament of intimacy with him, the greatest testament of the beauty of intentional community is people. And, and, and though he did not have to do it this way, God sovereignly chose to use people to impact the world. And so in our passage today, we kind of see a little bit of the strategy of Jesus about how he uses people. And in the, in the weeks, uh, the next three weeks, we'll come back to this core passage and look at, at, at more fine-tuning of how, how we respond. But I want to get the big chunks out there for you today. And really, if you still have your finger in, in Luke... Um, it really comes in that first statement. We're just going to unpack for a few moments today. Luke chapter 9, verse 1. And he, Jesus, called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. What did he do? Uh, in my, my mind, he called them together. He called them together. He he vocalized a call. Remember how some of these testimonies we were hearing from Muslims was that God was calling them, he was speaking to them, sometimes in their dreams, sometimes through other people. Uh, But God was calling them. God speaks to his beloved, and he calls us into relationship with him. First of all, it's a call to be with him. In Mark's account of the same calling of the twelve, Mark says in Mark three fourteen and 15, he appointed twelve, designating them sent ones or apostles, that they might be with him. That they might be with him, right? Someone once said that if you don't spend time with Jesus the first day, God knows it. God misses your presence with them. If you don't spend time with Jesus, then, then, then the second day you know it. You know it. And, and, and if you don't spend time with Jesus the third day, everybody in the world knows it. Right? Because um, the first and foremost call, again, is intimacy with God. It's a call to be with Him. But right there is the second point of our mission statement as well. He also called them to be with each other, intentional community. And He called the 12, but He didn't call them individually and have an individual relationship with all 12 of them. He called them to be with each other. So right here in the beginning of this passage, the first two points of our, of our mission statement are, are included. We need to be in relationship with God and we need to be in relationship with each other. But then look what he did. He gave them power and authority. Now you have explored this. We have explored it many times together. But just let me remind you for a second, right? Because the word power right there is that Greek word dunamis, right? And is that starting to sound like another English word? Right? Dunamis sounds a lot like, help me, dynamite. 
dynamite. He's not talking about, you know, I hope this works out kind of stuff. He's talking about explosive power to bring about transformation of people, of cultures, of our world. He's not messing around. You have amazing dunamis, dynamite at your disposal. And it's probably a good thing. Thank you, Jesus. I was going to get a bunch of flares and um, tape them together and put a, and yeah, that was not a good idea. And here's what stopped me. Because I was going to light one of the flares, and then what do you do with a lit flare, right? Remember those flares? Remember those, Bill? We used to use them in the cars and stuff. Those things burn for like two hours. I'm going to, what do I do with a flare for two hours, you know? Um, but the point is, if you saw that stick and you didn't know it was a flare, you would, you would fear, wouldn't you? You would, you would fear for the power that was represented right there. And, and God is saying, I'm giving you that power. I'm giving you my power. But he says, I'm giving you something else too. I'm giving you authority. And I always stumble with this, and we have explored this many times together. But authority is not just the, um, the ability to represent someone else. Uh, as we discovered in our marriage series last year, that authority is not just the, the power to represent God, but he's saying, I'm actually giving you the power to discern and to act on my behalf, right? To, to, to discern what is needed and to do it. To do it. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? He's basically saying, I want you to be me. And you can say, oh God, what should I do? But if you are... Becoming like me, you will know what to do. It will begin to come to you. I'm giving you dunamis, dynamite, and exousia, the the delegated authority. It is delegated to to discern and to act as Jesus would were he here in the flesh. I'm giving you power and authority. And then I just want to explore for a second with you the very specific things about what we actually do. And I'm taking them a little bit out of order because we've used three different Uh, versions of the same call but part of that power and authority is to proclaim to proclaim the word of god and 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 it's very simple and it's very complex but at its simplest the, the 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 proclamation is this that the kingdom of god is here right now it's here right now and you can live into it right now you don't have to wait until the day When Christ returns, the kingdom of God is here now and he's looking for men and women who will live into that kingdom right now. Not our kingdom, not our national kingdom, but but the kingdom of God. Our citizenship is there. And he's saying that that reality is present for those who trusted Christ. That reality is present right now. You can live right now like you're going to live for the rest of of eternity it's this power to proclaim the kingdom of god in all its glory that's here right now as we saw earlier it's also this power to pray we saw the harvest is plentiful but the laborers a few there's it's not a problem that that there's not enough people who really want to know jesus that's not the problem jesus is saying in fact, we know in one context when he said words very similar to that, it was right after the woman at the well had gone back to Sychar and just said, could this guy be the Messiah? And the whole town, remember that? The whole town came out and, and, and Jesus said, you know, the fields are white for harvest. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest. And it's so hard, especially for, for doers. It's so hard to just say, 
Just tell me what to do. And don't just, just, just pray. Every one of us has illustrations in our life how the most important thing that we did is pray. That's why we always pray for missionaries in our midst because that's the greatest gift that we can give them. I'll lift you up before our Heavenly Father. Pray for each other. Uh, pray, he says, earnestly that the Lord of harvesters, uh, harvest would send out laborers into the harvest. As we saw earlier, you pray that prayer, and pretty soon there's going to be this little tickle thought in the back of your mind. What does it look like for me, God? <laughs> how, did you, how did you come to know that God wanted to spend your last weekend with, with high school kids in prison? You know, um, You prayed. You prayed. And God said, Mike, I want you. Um, As you pray, God will direct your life as well as direct resources to people who are already there, who are already in the field. I pulled out two more ideas that are buried in this thing here, but mostly because I started with peas and I care about alliteration. But um, to plow and to plant, because over and over again, remember that was a, what, 95% agricultural environment. And so things that were just natural for them to think about are not necessarily natural for us. But it came out in Mark's testimony just a little while ago. You may not ever, you might not have the gift of evangelism to be that final person that comes along right when a life is ready to surrender, when God has been working on this person for seven years and, and, and all of a sudden he puts you. But every single one of us can plow. We can plow up the ground, right? We can put seed thoughts out there. We can plant the Word of God. We do not have to get them to pray something by the end of that. We just have to be sensitive to whatever the Lord would want us to do. Uh, and who knows? You are kind. We were at the restaurant. They're just saying, can we pray for you, waitress? You know, um, uh, you're kind to that person. And, and then one more person is kind to them as she's walking to her car or something. And God just puts all those things together to bring about the harvest. Um, uh, yes, we want to... We want to proclaim the kingdom of God. We want to pray for God to raise up people to go. But sometimes or another, God says, you, you, I want you to plant. I want you to plow up the ground. The reason I, I use the word plow is because later in this passage, if we had continued, um, the disciple says, um, you know, I want to follow you, uh, Jesus, but first let me go, you know, and, and bury my father. And there's a long exegesis of that, but... But Jesus says, no one who puts their hand to the plow, right, and looks back, and looks back as fit for the kingdom of God. God might be calling you guys to plow the fields now. Let's plow the fields. One of our, many of our favorite movies is a movie, Courageous, when there's a prayer warrior in a high school praying locker by locker for um, students, most of whom he's never met. And God gives him a word to speak to the coach. And, and, and he comes and says, you know, two men had a field that needed to be rained on. And one plowed the field and the other did nothing. Who really believed that God would, call, would bring rain? The one who plowed the field. We don't know. We don't know what our actions will reap. But, but God says plow and plant and leave the results up to me. Well, thirdly, so we've seen here that, that first of all, he called them together. Then he gave them this amazing power and authority to, to proclaim and to pray and to plow and to plant. But then it's really interesting. 
then he kind of kicked them in the church and booted them out. He sent them out uh, uh, to put into practice the things that he'd said. I mean, many of us have great theories about the kingdom of God, right? And those theories don't really, uh, I must have been in Indiana too long, amount to a hill of beans, right? Because I used to not understand that expression. Now my house is surrounded by soybeans. Um, to a hill of soybeans. Um, if we don't ever put it into practice. And in Luke uh, 10, 2, Jesus sends them out. To do what? Or, or where did, first of all, where does he send them out? He sends them out to every town and place. Look at this. This is so cool. Every town and place where he was about to go. Right? What was John the Baptist's mission statement? Right? What was it? John the Baptist. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. To to go before, to make the rough places smooth and prepare the way of the Lord. He wasn't just randomly sending, you know, go have a good time and, and come back. He was sending them out to places that he had sovereignly set apart for, to go himself. And, and he uses them to do that. Where is Jesus about to go? And whose life can you touch to prepare the way for Jesus to come? I think, oh, God... Raise up. We, um, we had a phenomenal experience maybe about 15 years ago recognizing that every member of all of that is a minister. Everybody's called to minister to, to other people, to be the presence of Christ in other people's lives. Um, but we're learning, too, that every one of us is also called to be a missionary, right? To go, or as we've discovered in Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through 20. Um, Jesus says, all power, authority has been given to me. Therefore, in your going, make fully devoted followers of all ethnos, all, peop- all people groups, right? Um, he, he is saying, in your going, make fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. So we're not just ministers. That's, that's an awesome thing. And I hope you don't hear the word pastors. And that's just one small, so much fun being around a, gift, a person with the gift of evangelism. But God has given some to be sent ones. He's given some to be evangelists. He's given some to be prophetic, to, to uniquely handle the word of God that speaks to us. He's called some to be shepherds. He's called some to be teachers. He needs all of them, all of them to employ their gifts for the, for the kingdom of God. So, so God is saying to, to us, I want you to be my sent one. I want you to be my missionary. And you say, well, where? This, use that simple formula. It's not unique to me. I did not think of it, but it's, I think it's an easy way to remember. First, just walk across the room, right? Walk across the room. Um, where's Jessica? Are you still in the room? Where are you? There you are. Um, it was not comfortable when he started pushing. I happened to be in the car when Mark was saying, because he discerned something that Jessica would have a unique relationship with this, this um, was it a Saudi woman? And, uh, and so I was in the parking lot with her, and, and, and it was touche. There was a part of me that goes, yes, Mark, because Jessica has these wonderful gifts, and she's always pushing us, right? And to see the t- tables turned on her gave me a, um, a little bit of joy. <laughs> I hope it was spiritual joy. Um, uh, to watch Jessica, who's made me so uncomfortable with the gospel so many times, so uncomfortable, and you did. You walked across the room, and you learned that this gal had been wanting to go to a church. And we don't know. 
We don't know if you're going to be the one that gets to take her to a church. Uh, it was a good word to us. Just be ready because um, she may come. Um, but it was a better word to just say it's, it's not necessarily to, I can't say it, Qatar or to Saudi Arabia. It might be across the room. For others of us, it might be across the street. Translate all this into your neighborhood. Uh, you know, it makes sense that if God is putting in, in, in Muslims' hearts to be ready for someone to come and prepare the way for Jesus, that he's probably be doing it in your neighborhood too, right? He's, and, and, and that person that, that you have that little stirring, just, just speak to her. You know, that, that person uh, God might have prepared for you to have a unique divine appointment with. So go across the street, too, to your neighbors. And then what I really appreciate, Mark, um, and it's been such a, 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 a wrestling, it's caused us no small amount. Um, God lay bare our hearts as we thought about loving Muslims because it is just too easy. It's too easy to not see them as human beings, to label them. Um, based on the actions of very few extremists, right? To label them and then to feel so much better about ourselves that I don't have to deal with them. They're fill-in-the-blank terrorists, right? Uh, Oh, my goodness, you rattled our cages. God rattled our cages. God might send you across the world. Across the world. Now, uh, in the weeks to come, we'll, we'll look like, what, is it, what does this look like to do that, to, to risk going across the street, to risk going across the room, to risk maybe for some of us going across the world? I have to tell you, I have to tell you, as you heard from our passage, he, he's, um, he's not going to show you all, all the ways he's going to do that ahead of time. In fact, he's going to say, we're going to work hard at letting go of baggage that we're carrying that's keeping us from responding in obedience to God. To impact the world, we might have to put ourselves in a situation where only God can extract us. I'm in one of those right now. I need God to move powerfully by September 13th. And, uh, and, and, and I know he can. He, he, I never wake up in the night um, anxious about something, and, and he woke me up. And so uh, I had to practice, what do I believe, God? I need, don't, don't read it. It's nothing to do with my family. It's a, it's a mission opportunity that, that if it happens, it's going to be because God intervened and, and stepped in and glorified himself. Can he do that? Tell me. Help me. Bolster my faith. Can he do that? <laughs> Ask me the hard question. Do you, do you believe, <laughs> Dave, that he will do that? I do. But he's going to put you in those kinds of situations. It's going to be an exciting adventure the next couple of weeks as we put these principles into practice, right? So, Again, he called them to himself. He called them together. He gave them everything they need, not just to survive, not just to have dinner, but, but to heal the sick and to cast out demons. He gave them everything they needed. He even told them to leave some stuff behind. And then, and then he sent them. Jesus is sending you out into the world this week. He has divine appointments for you. People that are just waiting for someone to come and, and be the presence of Christ. So what do you need? Two things you need. The presence of Christ. So I invite you.
to come to his table. And then you need the swift kick in the pants, right? Go in his name and be the presence of Christ. God, thank you that you knew, you know us. You became one of us. Nothing was a surprise to you, God. And, and so, so you knew that there would be times when our faith would be weak and where we would be afraid. And you said, I'm going to give you this reminder of everything I've done for you. I'm going to give you my very presence in, in this symbol of my body, this bread. I'm, I'm going to, uh, when, when the evil one accuses you of all your brokenness and all the reasons why you should not open your mouth about the kingdom of God, I'm going to remind you of the cleansing power of my blood. In this, my cup shed for you. I invite you come to the table, Lord. Find power. Find authority. Find cleansing. Find everything you need to live out the Christ life. Will our servers please come forward? The Apostle Paul says on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I said broken. I always do that. Given to you. I give this to you. It's my precious gift to you. The very spiritual presence of Jesus Christ. After supper, he took the, the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. I make it with you. Uh, do this, he said, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the gospel. You, you respond to Jesus' call. You offer yourself for his divine appointments. So I just want to invite you, be strengthened today in the very presence of Christ. Be cleansed through repentance and, and this precious gift of God. In Christ's death on the cross, be cleansed of the brokenness. Let no one accuse you, as Satan is so prone to doing, of why you shouldn't respond to him. Instead, we invite you to come. Feast. Feast on the grace of God.